Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. My name is Anthony Nicolosi. And I'm Skylar Sokol. And today we're going to continue the pattern that we've had where one of us prepares a topic, the other person goes in blind, has no idea. This week was my turn. Was that a jab at me wearing glasses? <laughs> I wear contacts. You... I wear contacts, uh-huh, uh-huh. and if I don't wear them, I'm pretty blind. Okay. Uh, so, I originally had a topic in mind for this week, but I think I need to prepare it a little more. Uh, okay. It doesn't just flow as easily. That's good. So, the audience definitely needed to know that, too. Yes, audience. <laughs> just know this other one is quite relevant Are you trying to and tease really exciting. This future topic? Yes. Okay. I'll announce it when we talk about it eventually. Okay. This was the thing. This was that thing. Uh, it's also because I told Skylar he was going to hate it, and... I think you'll like this one more. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think you'll hate the other one either. If I prepare it well. Okay. So this topic, actually, I do not think we are going to be able to finish in one podcast. Maybe we will continue it in a subsequent episode. Okay. Uh, but I think it's pretty interesting. So in here's the topic, my friend. In the in the game world, right? Uh, when you're, I, mean, I guess this is not unique to just games, but maybe movies, this is true too. Really what you're trying to do is manipulate a person's brain into having an experience. You're trying to communicate your intention to the other person. And knowing how people think and why they think that way uh, is beneficial. And it's interesting, but also beneficial when you're trying to craft an experience for a person. Yes. Sure. So I thought it would be interesting to examine cognitive biases. Okay. Okay. So, and this is how I thought we could do it. Uh, uh, Wikipedia uh, publish has <laughs> a list of 188 cognitive biases. Yes. And basically what I was thinking we could do is we could go through this list. And as we go through each bias, we obviously say what it is, we define it, and then talk about how it impacts the world of games, which could include game design, mm-hmm. game marketing, game publishing, game sales, cool. whatever. Do you have ones, do we want, are we just starting from the top? That's do what I'm have, thinking. That's what I'm thinking. We're just going to go for it? All right. I so, have a proposition Okay. that for each cognitive bias, assuming we don't already know what it is, Okay. one of us will tell the other one the name and they have to guess what it is first. <laughs> okay. Well, that's going to be painful. Painfully bad. The goal is that we probably won't be right any of the time. (laughs) And just so the audience knows, we are professional software engineers. We are not psychologists or anything remotely. So we find it extremely interesting and definitely relevant to the game. That's why we're talking about it. But we're not pretending to be real doctors here or anything. I don't know where this conversation will go. I thought (laughs) that's a worthwhile disclaimer. Uh, First, I want to read the definition that's on the first line of Wikipedia. Cognitive biases are systematic patterns of deviation from norm or rationality and judgment. And they're often studied in psychology and behavioral economics. I think that's interesting and worth pointing out because this this list of like 188 biases um, eventually does break them up into social biases and... uh, you know, stuff that might be impacted by the culture you grew up in mm-hmm. or, or whatever, which is different than these cognitive biases, which are like, they have nothing to do with that kind of a bias, uh, you know, environment bias. Uh, so just thought I'd call that out. These first ones that we're going to be starting on are these cognitive non-social biases. So cool. Ready? 
You ready for this? I've been ready since you said the word cognitive bias. Okay. Do you know what the ambiguity effect is? No. Okay. The first one is ambiguity effect. What do you think it is? I mean... What do you think it entails? The first thing I think of is that it must relate to like when things are vague, the human brain is willing to fill in lacking information. That would be my guess. I mean, I think that's... What Close. does Wikipedia say? The, the, te- the description in Wikipedia is the tendency to avoid options for which the probability of a favorable oh. outcome is unknown. Okay. The tendency to avoid options for which the probability of a favorable outcome is unknown. So you don't know how likely it is that you will succeed and thus you don't choose the option that you see leading you to that outcome. Yeah. So even though the only other option you might have is a painful one... Right, you or prefer. It's kind yeah. of like that idiom. It's the it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Have you heard that idiom? Probably, but yeah. not. It's not coming to my mind. But I I think that this is sort of a play off. It, it relates. Uh, and, and listeners, as you're going through this, definitely talk to us afterwards about what you think about these things because these the way these imply we all have these right. Uh, it's a systematic deviation in the way people think. Flaws, if you will, in how people think if approached rationally. At least that's the way I interpret it. Um, so in this ambiguity effect, what, how do you think this may apply to game design? Um, or could be leveraged there? Or in other elements of relating to games? So my first inclination would be to say that I think the biggest place I could see this applying is like if you create a situation where a player has a goal but it is not obvious how to get to that goal, um, I think probably people could become overwhelmed because you would be in a situation where you don't really see any of your paths leading you with a high probability to a favorable outcome or even a known probability, and thus you just basically sit there and do nothing. And the board game term would be analysis paralysis, but sure. you're basically just not not able to really make a good decision or don't feel good about anything you're doing. So I was kind of thinking the same thing. I was thinking this could apply if you're designing a game, right, and you're making the game, to be aware that if you're not clearly communicating the options to players and the ramifications of that, they this, you know, that could happen, right? Uh-huh. Um, maybe you do it intentionally, like as in, you know, I don't know, you're you're in some RPG where you have the option of two paths, one's unknown, one is let's say you know enough you wherever the player states at if they take this known but maybe long path they're guaranteed to get let's say the um, the reward needed to open the next part of the world or i don't know whatever um functionally happens but if they there's this other path that's intentionally left vague and like sort of the the reward is unknown to and everything like that. Um, I guess, I mean, that, from regards to ambiguity effect, you would, as a designer, weigh, like, whether you liked that, right? Or if you could maybe be leading them down this path where you're not communicating enough information and that's an unfavorable experience, which I think is more the ambiguity effect. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so basically, I agree with you with um, what you said. I think a good example that's coming to my mind is, which is relating to one of my <laughs> current guilty YouTube pleasures, is with. So there's a there's a, like a, a genre of Mario Maker levels called troll levels, 
where literally like the purpose is to have unexpected things happen to the players. They try and play the level. It just keeps killing them over and over. And usually the end goal or the way to get through things is by taking what you think would be not the favorable path, but it ends up even though you're like certain that the probability is actually, it's almost the opposite. The probability is so high that your outcome will be bad that instead it beca- it is the correct path. And I think that, so this, it, this whole concept is sort of messing with this bias mm-hmm. that like, you're, you have to like fight against the fact that the path where you see you know the probability is very high that you'll you would get through in a normal Mario level is suddenly like flipped on its head and you're like oh wait but then obviously there's like a meta game of like does the person think that this person will know that they should take the other path because they know it's a troll level so will the actual probable path be the right path or whatever but still I think that's almost all well this cognitive bias definitely plays into that sort of thought process and how yeah you navigate situations like that cool Next one? Sure. Okay, you're reading it? I mean, I'm like tempted to like say we should just go randomly rather than I know down because the list. these are alphabetical. Which but is lame. I mean it it does feel lame, but really they're not necessarily at all related. Sure. You know. So I think it's okay. My heart says we should do number twenty though. Oh, but there's no numbers, dude. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. So Skylar is trying to it's number things that have no numbers. <laughs> all right. Next one. Okay. Anchoring or focalism. So I do know this one. Okay. We'll, um, we'll just reveal it. Yeah. It's the tendency to rely too heavily or anchor on one trait or piece of information when making decisions, usually the first piece of information acquired on the subject. So in summary, basically, you get some information about something and that is the information you believe, even if later you find out that that might not be so correct or you get more information that would shift your perspective on that thing you are cognitively tied to this initial piece of information or trait that you got about this thing so yeah that's that that could happen i i there are some i mean that's what this definition says at least yeah yeah no no you're right i i guess what i was going to add to that is even more subtly there are studies here that i did not Pull up, but I've, I've read but before. But you're going to cite anyway, like I'm a going very to, bad scientist. Please forgive me. We'll cite him somewhere. You definitely uh, I mean, I can. won't. And in anchoring or focalism, when you go to it on Wikipedia, there's a couple of sublinks there. And if you follow them, that's mm-hmm. where they are. But it's basically like if they ask a person to choose a number between 1 to 75 and just say an initial number to them, the studies show that it gauges like the numbers mm-hmm. they choose around it, right? It's like your brain just real it's like you said uh, there's several the reason why i'm uh filling this in a little bit more is because there's other biases that also exploit this reality of like we really stick to the first information we hear mm-hmm. um yeah so anyway uh i'll hijack your thoughts since you didn't yeah, finish it, it and tell it. you that like one of those studies they asked people what age mahatma gandhi died at and for half the group they told they asked how was Gandhi older or younger than like three years old when he died? Um, and then asked how old was he after they answered that question. And then they asked, was he older or younger to a different group than like 140 years old when he died? So like two numbers that people guaranteed yeah. know are not the numbers. And still people were biased down on the low numbered uh, decision and biased up on the high numbered decision. So <laughs> it's funny. like, yeah, even with information that, you know, is guaranteed untrue, it still affects Yeah, that number three is still bouncing around right. that number 200. So, you're, still so when you think like, well, it could be 80, then your brain's like, well, wait, but you heard three, you should be a little lower. Man, probably. I feel like there's so many ways this could apply to many areas of 
games. Well, tell me one of them. I yeah, I mean, I want a specific game the, example though. Yeah, well, this wasn't actually going to be game example. This was going to be game sales and marketing. Okay. Um the imagine. Okay, cuz here's how this could potentially bite you in the ass, right? You communicate that the game is going to come out with five multiplayer modes. And then you get close to release, and it's only four for some reason, right? Um, That's not really a big deal on paper, especially when you could also consider what those five modes were. Like, maybe the other mode was technically a small one, but this impact of, like, you you had five in your head, and now it's smaller. Those are great examples. Yeah, yeah, great example. Um, I think that's totally true that this would, that would be a situation where this would happen yeah um i mean yeah i can think of lots of yeah go for it situations where games have like presented an initial like on launch there'll be this many maps and then there's like less or something and people are like pissed even though like there's still a lot of maps like yeah yeah right yeah there's 18 maps oh sorry only 16 (laughs) right you know and somehow like and that just the the last game had 18 this one only has 16 even though we said 18 initially, like, we're sorry. Like, yeah, and people are like, mm. Right. Or even, like, you know what a really good example of this is? Is release dates with games. Yeah, and true. Comp- and then publishers delaying games. That's, like, directly related to this, right? Yep. If, P- if the initial release date was the delayed time, people wouldn't be near, wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah. At, at, no, unless true. they hear this first piece of information, which they anchor onto. Yeah. This is why I think... <coughs> excuse me. Um, studios are also delaying that announcement i in my opinion more and more because it, they're getting it's coming closer to release because you tell somebody fall 2019 and then it's spring 2020 and then it's fall 2020 yeah. like people are like okay give me a break but yeah. if you would have never told them and just told them a couple months before fall 2020 sets it's a tough. totally different expectation yeah. right um all right I next one like, speed round okay wow, that was a loud clap sorry to <laughs> myself in the future who's editing this yeah you guys let us know on this, especially if you are an in, a developer yourself. I feel like there's so many places where anchoring could mm-hmm. affect game design. So let us know what you think. But I'm going to make us move along. We're speed yeah. rounding this. We're going faster. Okay. Don't look. I'm just reading the words. <laughs> Anthropos, anthropocentric yes, thinking. That, that is what it, yeah, anthropocentric thinking. Anthro meaning human, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pocentric <laughs> Maybe right. this is the tendency of people to want to either be like exactly between two things or uh, no, I don't know. I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to venture a guess for fear well, of anchoring people's perception of the <laughs> definition of this to my incorrect guess rather than the real definition. Well, you were like, you know, uh, you were defiant. You were translating it correctly. The tendency to use human analogies as a basis for reasoning about other less familiar biological phenomena. Okay, so the centric is that you are using human-centric. Yeah, Yeah, cool. Okay. Um, About biological phenomena. Interesting. All right. This might be a hard one to get to. Let's (laughs) see. For Tennessee to use human analogies as a basis for reasoning about other less familiar biological phenomena. The biological phenomena is definitely throwing me off. I'm not (laughs) sure how much I have on this. We maybe should just move on from it. But, um, yeah, human analogies... Less, but yeah. <laughs> we might chalk this one up as to... This is not, an exercise for, not the, for the reader. Yes. Exercise for the listener. Let us know how this 
relates to the world of games. It's going to be bouncing around this whole time. I'm going to think of something and like after we stop recording. That's no, okay. Sure. This next one. Anthropomorphism or personification, which I think a lot... Those are well-defined terms. Yeah, the tendency to characterize animals, objects, and abstract concepts as possessing human-like traits, emotions, and intentions. Yep. Yeah, this is... Yeah. I mean, this is, like, very centric to games as a whole, right? Like, why can you have this weird, like, character that isn't human True. at all be your character in a game and relate to them on the same level that you would relate to a human character, right? True. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It, yeah, it's true. There are a lot of narratives in games that wouldn't be possible without this being a thing. Right. If we couldn't <laughs> wouldn't like, be compelling. If we couldn't characterize things that are non-human with human traits, we wouldn't be able to relate. Like, I mean, yeah, we humanize everything. Yep. Uh, we humanize even like your weapons. I'm thinking about like Mass Effect, like these games that take place in like alien universes where like you build very like yeah. complex narratives for alien characters that are very diverse from the human characters and yet you still like relate to them and have this like you know yep. anthropomorphism with them which is ironic considering we can't even like relate always to other humans yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's true as uh possessing human-like traits emotions and intentions yeah right. no i agree lots of universes wouldn't be able to exist without this being a thing um okay next your turn. Dang. All right. We're just going. Attentional bias. There's 188 of these. I know. Uh, do you know I did No. I don't want to bias the reader. I mean, I can make stuff up. But... I want you to make something up. It has to be ridiculous enough, though, that it Attentional bias? <laughs> I don't know that you like to pay attention to good-looking things. Okay. It yeah. is the tendency of perception to be affected by reoccurring thought by recurring thoughts. Tendency of perception interesting well i think you could totally leverage this in game design like if you if you design something so that you you put foreboding signs in the path of the character the character might begin to imply that danger is coming yes and may begin to perceive things as put like this might be dangerous with that spin um and vice versa you could make things seem joyful and begin to perceive things in a more upright beat like this is also how those this doesn't specify how those thoughts come about whether through a visual means a lot of times i'm going visual but this can be done with music right i mean that's what i was that's what was coming to my mind right and i'm not sure if it applies directly to this because i'm not sure how they're defining recurring thoughts but like the fact that we have this perception that like specific types of music make you yep like have different enter into certain emotional right. space. Yeah, uh, concrete example to keep the the. Oh my gosh, what is it called? The chain. The concrete example chain going. Yeah, we'll is uh, <laughs> in Halo. Okay, okay. to keep, to keep the train. Oh, the that, Halo that train. train rolling. Okay, that mentioned uh, Halo at least once per episode. Train flood music. Uh huh. You know, you know, you're in flood zone, right? The flood music's like this really. Uh, uh gosh i'm spacing the word Be uh, disgusting sounding not pleasant i cannot think of the right dissonant it's kind of uh these pieces that are very anxious make you feel anxious make you feel like we're you know like uh edgy i don't know yeah like troubles just around the corner or something and then the, the sounds of the flood 
levels too, which are generally relatively silent. Like the the ambience is si- a silent one, but their sounds are really gross. Like whatever. So, um, those think- just being present really affect your perception. Sure. Like in those levels, uh, a lot they feel way different than the covenant levels. I think psychologically too, this is probably related to how like jump scares work. That like basically you're in this situation where the recurring theme is just like people are calm and chill and then suddenly something like crazy loud happens and your perception is like shook very aggressively because you've been like set into this loop of how you're feeling right before we move on i'm curious if we find another cognitive bias that relates more to jump scares than this but i'll be looking now okay before we move on on marketing side okay i think this is actually a big deal um I think marketing cycles are intentionally trying to create a perception. You're, yeah. you're, you, they want you to perceive their product in a certain way, right? In a positive way. In some, right. in, you want to have the flavors. same thought when you hear this project and have your perception be that thought, right? Right. So that's why if you keep seeing advertisements of people playing this game and they're having a good time, you somehow begin to perceive that as a positive good time thing. Yeah. Unless maybe like you see... You know, they're having a party at a friend's house and something bad happened to you once at a party at a friend's house. And so you're like, I don't, you know, and and maybe for you personally, it doesn't work, but that's the intention, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I, so I think this is something marketing cycles teams are very aware of is mm-hmm. they that recurring, they, they need to. How often are you... I, I was just thinking about this. Uh, I went to the Microsoft store to check out something in Park Meadows. I don't remember what. We went in. And, oh, I wanted to see the new Elite controller. Park so the Meadows guy, is a mall, for Park the Meadows is a mall in Colorado, <laughs> yeah. Um, we were... I was like, hey, I want to check out the new Elite. He walked me to it. It was very clear that we weren't doing anything. We kind of communicated that to him. And he had no problem. And the way that store is... Like, it was clear. We weren't doing anything. But he was like, oh... Uh, and if you, here's a something about it, it was a flyer that if you came to the Microsoft Microsoft store I don't know when that week the kicker from the Denver Broncos was going to be there, and I for sure didn't care about it based off of the way I was talking about it. I don't know maybe I look like a Broncos fan maybe and everybody's a Broncos fan I guess but I was just thinking I had this paper in my hand that they give to everybody. I went home it was in my pocket I pulled it out Microsoft stayed in my brain that whole night because of this piece of paper in a sense it showed up in my brain we talked about it a little bit the elite controller went home pulled out this piece of paper microsoft branding on it blah blah blah, whatever made me think of it again made me think of elite controller again like i don't know i just think the the continued presence in the mind of people this recurring thought is a thing like that's part of successful marketing or Many times. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. So. That makes sense. Um, next one? Yes. Should I read it? You're, I you're... mean, I read the words attribute substitution, but I have not read the definition. Oh, man. But it, I can see that. the definitions like a paragraph long, so. I, <laughs> you give up? I mean, I assume it's, I mean, my guess would be just very obvious based on the name that people tend to like subtri- substitute the attributes of things with things they're familiar with or something like that. Yeah, kind of. Occurs when a judgment has to be made. Well, I think, hold on. Occurs when a judgment has to be made of a target attribute that is computationally complex and instead 
a more easily calculated heuristic attribute is substituted. So kind of what you're saying. The substitution is thought of as taking place in the automatic intuitive judgment system rather than the more self-aware reflective system. Dang, this is a heavy one. Yeah, this is a big boy. Uh, okay, I mean, this basically sounds like a, a mouthful way of saying that if it's hard to calculate something, you would rather find a way of like perceiving it that makes more sense from a simpler yeah, perspective. I right? definitely think that's an element. Yeah. Right. I think this is saying like you're going after, there's a certain specific thing that's hard to figure out. So you try and like perceive the bigger picture in an easier way. Right. Right. It's like, okay, if I calculate the exact time where I have to jump on this like launcher to land on this platform that's moving by at this speed and I can calculate the exact timing and oh, there's a clock in this level. So I can just look at the clock and find the exact second and then I'll jump on it that second and I'll get on the thing. Or maybe I could just try it once and go too far and then yeah, try maybe. it a little earlier and then go there and then eventually I'll just get it right like yeah no my heuristic is just how close was I to making it not let me calculate all of the physics and timings and then get the exact complex like answer so you know what I think this maybe is part of the reason why I find some puzzle games not enjoyable is because I feel like they put me in a place where I can't sort of just try my way through you know what I mean? Yes, like you can't just apply your simple heuristic and then get there. Exactly. You ha- it's intentionally meant for you to apply your what's it called? Compu- Self-aware reflective system to a computationally complex situation. Right. Yes. Right. And that's why I don't like it. I'm like, I'm not at work. <laughs> right. I don't. I code all the time or whatever. Yes. I use my brain all the time. Right now, I want to use my brain a little less or not do the hard stuff. I think that's part of it, uh, at mm-hmm. least for me personally. Um, no, I think that's totally reasonable. I think that's a very, very good example. I feel like puzzle games create very complex systems that are there so people who want to get really involved with them can. Um, and usually they're designed in such a way that if you're not really interested in participating with that system, you're not really going to be able to play the game or have fun playing the game. So I, I think Is there that's a game a- you can think of that you've played recently? Because you're more likely to play games like this. Not even recently. It can be whenever. But I- that you feel like has a high barrier to entry in this regard? I think, I mean, I really do think like most, most complex puzzle puzzle games do. I mean, not like puzzle platformers probably, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, there's all these games by, uh, Zachtronics, I think is the developer. One's called space chem. They're just like these crazy. They're basically like math problem video games like space chem you're like combining molecules to form chemicals in this very specific way with all of these mechanical components and contraptions and it's like it's definitely like there's no simple heuristic to solving this game it's you just do you you learn the system you're learning this new computationally complex like reflective system that you need to understand all of it Hmm. well alas maybe puzzle games are just not for me i'm sure we could find one that you would like Okay, so attribute substitution, big boy. Next one, automation bias. Do you want to guess? I mean, it's your turn to guess. That's true. <laughs> Dependency to depend on automating things. I mean, that's sort of what it sounds like. Really? Tendency to depend on excessively on automated systems, which can lead to erroneous automated information overriding correct decisions. You mean like all the build scripts at our job? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, that's reasonable, right? Like, you expect... 
because the system is automated, you expect that it will be correct, right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly when it's not, like, you're... Do you think this is part of the frustration people have with AIs and games? Is we sort of have a kind That's of expectation great. in them? Like, again, Halo's got a history there. In, like, the... In the recent... Most recent installment, installment Halo 5, you there was this, like... I think they came from KOTOR 2. I might be lying about that. But this, like, group mechanic where you there are ai that were on your team and you could send simple commands to like go there prioritize this target or whatever um and yeah i i think that the, the thing that's interesting in regards to systems like this in games is that you are trying to implement something that's worthwhile that feels kind of up to the player's expectations of that system um which i think touches on this but also you don't want to make that system so good that you don't need the player, right? Sure. So, like, in this situation, like, if you're, like, team-based shooter, you have these AIs on your team. If your AIs are too good, like, you may... And this and the intention of this game is for you to be this hero, power fantasy sort of thing, um, like Halo, then maybe they're detracting from the intended experience of the game, right? They're conflicting sure. kind of design interests. I agree that that is a thing, but I'm going to push you back and say that that does not relate to this cognitive bias. Yeah. This cognitive bias, because... Yeah, I was probably stretching it. Took it to the, <laughs> you basically flipped it over, right? This cognitive bias is about depending on automated systems, giving you, correct, um, giving you correct information, and rely on that information over making the correct decision. Well, I think it's... I think that if you were to tell the AI to do something... That isn't really much different than, like, that expectation in that system. Right, right, but this isn't about expecting. This is about depending. Right, so, like, if you depend, like, if I do that, right, and I'm like, you take care of this thing over here, and then that thing kills me when I'm paying attention to something else, right, that's kind of, I think, where I was going with that angle. Interesting, okay. So, um, which happened in this case like in Halo 5, is using that example again. That's Halo where my head went through. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, I just wish you would talk about games that I've heard of. <laughs> well, hey, likewise, Kim Lab. <laughs> yeah, you space, think I ever space played Chem, Mr. Space Kim. Uh, Can we talk about Quadrilateral Cowboy? I'm just kidding. Have I played that one? No. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely What's not. that That's pony one you made me Pony play? Island? Oh, yeah. game's so good. Yeah. Um, but doesn't have anything about automation bias. Um, I think... I can't think of anything for this one, though, that I, I like. I don't know if you'd want to really play into this. Well, I'm not, I don't think you're trying to play into it, right? Just like somewhere where this happens anyway, right? Yeah. But I'm not sure. I think, honestly, like it, this reminds me much more of development, like you're saying, that, that... During development. Right. You believe that this thing should just work because it's automated, and instead you end up having to take manual steps to make it work. Yeah. And for some reason, a lot of the times, people trust things that have been done manually less than they trust things that come out of something automated. Yeah, I think sometimes with good reason, because automating things you can hit with more rigor or something. But right. um, yeah, maybe some insight into development. That's definitely a thing. You write, this is a good example is if you have some, you know, you write automated tests for your game or your, some subsystem of your game. And you you know there's the, they you can see different metrics on your tests how much code coverage you have whatever what you're exercising 
different elements of the code that you're exercising, how it how it runs over a long period of time, whatever. And you you see metrics, you, you, they look they look good on paper. Um, you generally pass, and so you just kind of trust them. And you, I think, also you sort of stop. You can. It's easy to stop scrutinizing them as well. You know, you right. just sort of become dependent on them. And uh, when, in fact, there could be like a fatal flaw there in just the test you wrote. Maybe you did cover everything, but there's something you're inherently missing in the test, right? That, be, but you kind of just depend on it. And this, this is, uh, I think, this is a case where um, that can bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. The erroneous automated information. I wonder if this also plays in a little bit to, uh, like, uh, focus groups, like getting focus group feedback and, like, valuing that over maybe more specific. Maybe that's kind of stretching it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Okay. I think it is. Okay. Next one. <laughs> Next one? Yes. But I'm sure focus groups could come up in some cognitive I'm bias. sure. Or uh, are sense. part of all of these or something. <laughs> Valid. I mean, it's literally humans telling you their opinions, which is what this is, like, which all is about, right? Surely. Um, availability heuristic yeah, um, I mean, I, we both I, know what this one is. I yeah, think. we can read this one. Do you want to read it? Yeah, the tendency to overestimate the likelihood of events with greater availability in memory, which can be influenced by how recent the memories are or how unusual or emotionally charged they may be. Um, my favorite way of thinking about this kind of bias is the tendency that I think, like, people have a huge tendency to magnify generally negative events or events they perceive as negative over generally positive events. Um, because people are generally tend to believe that like things will be positive overall or things are good generally. So when something bad happens, even if like a million, a tons of good things have occurred over a period of time, the bad thing feels unusual or emotionally charged. And thus it plays a larger role. It's more likely you'll remember it. It's more likely to influence the way you react and interact with those situations um that's not like a game specific example but that's just like my a good way to to perceive like what an availability heuristic is um yeah amygdala causing problems there or something sure i think there's seriously like some harp i in the emotional intelligence here's where you're gonna actually pretend to be no no no, i'm not gonna say anything more because i don't want (laughs) to lie like create uh, say things that false people come to conclusion. Yes. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to provide false information, but just know that if you're interested in that, what Skyler just said, there is real scientific uh, studies on that. I am on all of these, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, so in games, like, you have an example? I do you have one, and I'll. And I mean, we should think of one, right? With greater availability in memory. So this is so. Yeah, things like it says at the beginning, how recent the memories are or how unusual or emotionally charged they may be. So basically, recent things, unusual things, or emotionally charged things kind of imprint themselves on the brain more significantly than not. not, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's like talking about what you take away from, from from a game, right? Like I especially fall victim to this as is evidenced by our first podcast. I think that I really like take away very specific pieces of things from games. Like my examples of my game experiences were all very specific things. Check out podcast one for game experiences. <laughs> um, and cause those things were unusual to me or, remote, or like really it's, it comes from the unusualness that I view these things as very unique 
in a, from a game perspective, like the Bioshock ending with the specific music and the way the music played into it that I hadn't really experienced before. This like emotionally charged giraffe thing from The Last of Us, right? All of these situations are what I remember because of the availability heuristic, and I have much more trouble remembering the rest of the game. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, if I'm also now thinking back to that podcast and the stuff we talked about in there, I was talking about my Halo 2 experiences. Um, just generally, all I'm thinking of recently, Ori in the Blind Forest, one of my Good favorite... Game. A or, game we've both played yeah, that's uh, not or, Halo? Ori might be my favorite new intellectual property this last generation there's this one part where you're in the tree right you mm-hmm. know you know what i'm talking to about climb the tree yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I everybody who i talk to knows the tree part whoop just slap the mic because it's because that part was really hard well i think it's also in talking to this a very emotionally charged okay like it's also unusual from a mechanic perspective in that during that time the checkpoint system is gone you've got to beat the whole tree in one shot mm-hmm. That's like, you know, Paul from work? Yep. He did not beat it because of that. Like, he is still stuck at the tree. Shout-outs to Paul from work. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, the, that is an L. I, and what I remember, the music, the music there is super cool. That whole gameplay, so you just got that new dash thing where you can, like, dash off a projectile. Super cool. So, super emotionally charged. The Halo part, super emotionally this charged. Very interesting. I... Uh, that's not about that my part? most available memory from Ori and the Blind Forest. What was it? Was it the one where you're like upside down? <laughs> you're going to be, I'm probably upset. It's the very beginning of the game in the cutscene where like the very first the cutscene of the dies? game. Uh-huh. Oh yeah? Yes. Well that's also that super like, emotionally charged. I, I agree. Yeah. But that, if you ask me to like think of a memory from Ori and the Blind Forest, that's the first thing that I think of. That's interesting. Um, I also think of the like the image, the cutscene where the tree is like blowing in like wind, like it's zoomed out image of the tree. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but there's some visual things that I remember very clear from that game. That's what I really cared about the most in that game. Yeah. No, it's super the gameplay was game. fun, but I actually don't think it's like that compelling from a, that style of game perspective. Really? Compared to a lot of ones I've played. Yeah. To be fair, it's a genre I don't play a ton of, but I really love the mechanics and gameplay of that. That game it was a lot, ton of fun. Um, Okay, you're you're right. It was Xbox One. It was in 2015 on Xbox One and on Windows at the same time. Okay, that sounds like what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm super excited for the new one. I am too. I'm really keep really it up, excited. Moon Studios. Super excited. Uh, the game story was inspired you by guys, the Lion King and the Iron Giant. I don't think I've seen Iron Giant. Really? Yeah. Oof. You should have said that on a public. Forum. I know, guys. You're gonna have to find <laughs> out. I haven't seen a lot of movies. I was too busy playing halo or <laughs> playing guitar <laughs> uh so anyway yeah yeah i just want to add to that if you have not played that game please do yourself a favor and play it i i i, I think there's a good chance if me and skylar with our deferring tastes like it it's a good chance you'll like it to some extent that's true um so anyway yeah so emotionally charged things definitely stick out yeah unusual i've actually read this is the night. I was gonna say I was gonna force you to move on, but you're, you're, the, you're going on the you're, unusual you're side. Go for it. Some some people I've read articles that they theorize maybe, and maybe there's scientific studies somehow on this, but that it's maybe an evolutionary trait that you know you see something that you don't understand, unusual, and so your brain like is sort of anxious to figure out what it is, right? So it really sticks. Um, 
I think that's why I have... Uh, I don't think that's availability heuristic. Well, I mean, it would stick in your head. You see a weird-ass thing. Maybe that's part of the reason why like some of those horror thing scenes are so vividly ingrained as well. Okay, I agree that that is... But... Like, okay. horror is, like, unusual a lot of times think, and emotionally charged. I don't think the availability heuristic is about people's desire to have unusual things yeah, yeah, yeah. being known, you're right. You're though. right, you're right. I am kind of moving on. But uh, when, I guess, if if you, if like in a horror game, there's... Not 188 a, of these. We can't use our oh, examples shoot. on ones oh, that don't apply. That's why I'm, that's why I'm being <laughs> it's true, hard it's true. on you. It's true. I, I did uh, stretch it. D- stretch the definition. Trust there. me, there'll, there'll be one of these where your, where your example will be perfect. <laughs> I'm certain. No, but I'm in this, for availability heuristic, if you have a game, a horror game, let's say, and mm-hmm. a bad thing weird ass monster just kills your friend in this building mm-hmm. uh you're going to somehow associate that with a that's a bad place you will overestimate the likelihood of a bad thing happening. Yes, yes yes that's totally true so um if, if at the last time you were in this area something bad happened the next time you're there you will very likely assume something bad happen will happen again and if this really bad thing happened to my friend it's not even though maybe statistically speaking, there's only a three percent chance of me it happening to me, it it could happen to me. I mean, that's I a very know. real life thing, right? Like if your friend yeah. gets like some disease or gets struck by lightning or some horrible thing happens to them, I think people who have close relationships with someone who something like that has happened to are way more likely to feel like that has a possibility of happening to them. Yep, and that's I think where this comes from. Definitely, ba- definitely good. Okay. Uh, um, we can maybe do one more. Yeah, I was trying to like read through them really quick because I wanted to pick a good one because I don't think the next few are very gamey. Well, I yeah. I, well, I didn't. I, yeah. Anyway, belief no. bias, an <laughs> effect <laughs> where someone's evaluation of the logical strength of an argument is biased by the believability of the conclusion. I actually love this cognitive bias. I'm glad I randomly picked this up. An effect where someone's evaluation of the logical strength is biased by the believability of the conclusion. Right. So if I tell you that, like... Um, this almost kind of plays into availability heuristic. It is in some way. But this is more that, like, people are more likely to believe an argument because the conclusion is believable, right? Like, um, I think this relates directly like people's likelihood to believe anecdotal evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Like vaccines cause autism. Um, oh, now we're getting real. Right? Like, real world. I mean, because people give anecdotal evidence about that, people are more likely to believe arguments that lead to it because the conclusion is believable because of this anecdotal evidence, right? Um, I think this is cool. I really like this one. I'm trying to think of how, what, like, in a game, how this would be affected. <laughs> Because you're not really trying to argue things with people, right? And this is very much about, like, believing an argument. Believing the strength of an argument. Well, this actually can maybe help you in as a game designer because you don't need to go mm. the full mile. Like, totally. You can sort of imply, or, you know, as again, like, as long as it's believable... It's probably good enough. That's totally true. Like, we're in a game universe. People are willing to suspend some disbelief. So we give a crappy explanation for why this thing is happening in this way, right? But it's okay. Because the conclusion is believable in the universe we're in. And so the logical strength of that argument is increased just because the conclusion is believable. So it doesn't have to be this, like, 
airtight. I mean, I think you're totally yeah. right. Media in general takes advantage of this all the time. The the ability for people to be willing to believe something because the conclusion is believable enough. Now, I'm not a writer, but from the little I've like read on some universes, Halo universe and some other ones where they <laughs> how they craft the story, you can sort of like leave cuz you you tell the narrative, but there's l- tons of holes, mm-hmm. right? But you can like leave seeds to sort of go back and expand later, right? Um, I don't know if there's a formal term if you're a game writer or a writer you can tell us but like a technique for that uh, I would think there is but um, this works because of that you you can believe the world just if it if it seems believable it's good enough you don't necessarily have to know the details of why it works or have the way every it single works. thing explained right yeah. totally true yeah um, very good I mean like great example Portal the main character Shell has like these like knee brace I don't even know what they I like yeah. I don't even know that stop her from taking fall damage and they like mention it one time in one sentence in the whole game and that's like enough like, All right. you never like question yeah. <laughs> why you're not taking fall damage after that you're just like cool great the conclusion conclusion is believable I didn't take fall damage so cool like that you works you say so right yeah. yep yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah. super cool the human I, brain that was a great example um, that you thought of that that's totally how this relates yeah okay, this is probably again like somehow evol- ev- evolution based or something. I mean, these are probably likely are how the brain has shaped is when <laughs> it's just like, Hey, don't go into the tall grass at dusk. <laughs> you don't need to know the hunting patterns of lions and stuff. You just need to know that. Right. Don't go to the tall Bob grass at dusk yesterday. or else you're going to die. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The conclusion. Yesterday. Don't go on the, the, the yeah. Right, <laughs> don't that's go on the grass. Yeah. Anyway. No, totally. That's good. And I, I do think, you said again about evolution, but we didn't actually ever mention evolution this whole time. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I was just going to say... I said about some other one, that's why. I, I, I don't, don't know. Re- well, we'll regardless, I was just going to say, because you inspired me to say something about it, and I think this is a good concluding thought, is just that I think all of these cognitive biases are the result of something evolutionary, right? I right. think it's very easy to argue that the majority of the reason our brain has these biases is that in a different world where we no longer are able to just be like what we are today, which is nothing like what most animals are able to, like what their what lives that most animals are able to live just because of the situations they're in or what humans were able to live long ago when they were trying to survive, when like the only goals are to survive and reproduce. These kind of biases are good because they let you quickly like come to a conclusion about something or believe something and survive. that's more likely to let you survive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Yep. Um, you can yeah. see that. And this is why it's interesting to see it now in our modern day era. And we all, we can look at it and be like, oh, wow, this is, this might have been useful, but it's not super useful now. No, know? totally. And, and maybe, maybe even detrimental. Especially when there are people actively attempting to exploit it. Exploit it, right? Maybe nefariously or maybe just from a game design perspective to use them to enhance the experience, right? Yep. So. It is very interesting to think about them from that perspective because I don't think there are that many situations where these cognitive biases from a non-evolutionary perspective are beneficial, but this game design perspective is one where potentially they are, and I think we've given some good examples of that yep. throughout this discussion. Yep. Man, so we made it through like... Nine. Nine of the... Nine of 188, so, which is why I was saying, you know, maybe we'll come back. If you found this interesting, let us know, and we'll 
we'll keep going. This can be Some our time. fallback topic or something. Yeah, every, we, when we, when we won't, we won't necessarily do it next time. We'll, we'll no. guarantee not do it next time, and probably not the next time after that. I would either. say maybe like a month or two yeah. from now. Like, but I think if we could, it could come up if you, if people yeah if people like this, we totally could do it again. I yep. I'm down. I mean, I like randomly speculating about psychology so much as the next guy so let's do it but if you know if if this was total shit and uh you thought we're idiots pretending to be doctors or something let (laughs) us know too and we will never do this again yeah. Uh, I think Anthony thinks psychology and medicine are the same thing. I'm just, <laughs> you know, but you, you know what I mean? Like a doctor in psychology, like it's not usually what people refer to psychiatrists as. Oh, is that what is that what is the right term? Well, you can yeah. have a PhD in something, a doctorate of psychology, or you can be a medical doctor with a psychological, which is psychiatry. Psychiatry, right? Yeah. All right. Well, that's what I meant, listeners. I didn't mean like. Anything else? I'm just but kidding. That. I think everyone knew that. <laughs> Doctorate in psychology was what I was thinking. Because <laughs> it's fun. Anyway, uh, yeah. So this was an interesting topic. This is not what I expected to talk about. But Anthony and I talk about this all the time in our free time because that's the kind of people we are. So this is a cool topic for us to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, there's way more uh, applicable. Yeah, and let's know again. Like what? Maybe this was a good idea, but you'd prefer us to move in a different direction with it. So let us know. Yep. Uh, anyway, oh, check us out on all of our social media. We have KOKoalaEntertainment.com, our website, which oh, links yeah. to all of it. But we'll give you some, bang out some examples. Twitter, what's that? At KOKoala underscore ENT. Yep. Uh, Instagram? Same thing. KOKoala underscore ENT. That's K-O-K-O-A-L-A underscore ENT. Correct. Um, TikTok. TikTok. There's good stuff on there. For all you Zoomers. <laughs> and not Zoomers. Go over there. Seriously, they're funny. <laughs> Anthony actually posts really funny stuff on TikTok. So if you don't have it. You want to see the bloopers? They're that's, there. That's literally where all the bloopers <laughs> will live. And some of them are very funny. Uh, and Facebook. Facebook is KO Koala Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook.com slash KO Koala Entertainment. You can also search KO Koala Entertainment. Follow us there. Um, yeah. yeah. we Our podcast, you can get it on Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts. And soon Apple, Apple Podcasts. Well, yeah, it's in review. No, it should it's be. not because it's going to oh, be yeah. five weeks from now. Cut that out. <laughs> and, our podcast, and our podcast, you can get it on Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, any any of those platforms. You can also get it directly off of um, our website. Yeah, um, we have links on the, the website. The website will have, has all the podcasts on them. So check it out. We'll also uh, include a link to the Cognitive Bias Wikipedia page in the description for this podcast so you can go through it yourself um oh also join our discord there's an invite link on the website on the website yep cool all right until next time everybody this is uh us thanks for tuning in who's that person we i really didn't want to give a really cringy outro so i stopped myself i'm glad who is that person we always mentioned the person listening sharon sharon yeah what's up sharon and karen i think it's just sharon okay but regardless what's up sorry we didn't mention you today Tell us about your cognitive biases. Yeah, tell us what you thought of attribute substitution, Sharon. Does that happen to you a lot? Do you hate that it happens to you? (laughs) Okay. All right. Talk, Talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.